Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Many are using the term epidemic to describe the current problem of drug and or alcohol abuse in the United States. Virtually everyone we know has been negatively impacted by this problem. Yet for so many that are experiencing the devastating effects of drug and or alcohol abuse, they don't know who to turn to for help. Who can we trust to care for our loved ones? Transformations Treatment Center is one of the most respected, ethical, and professional drug and alcohol treatment centers in the world with a strong focus on individualized care, offering a wide range of holistic, specialized, and medically supervised treatment programs. We know that many of you have questions. Take the time to call Transformations Treatment Center for the answers. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Or go online to transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from the New Jersey area, we have Peter Colleen on the phone. Peter is a former law enforcement officer, and he's also a highly respected, highly published, well-known police psychotherapist. Peter, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Very much appreciated. Well, thank you. I appreciate being here. Thank you. Before we get into the conversation about your police career and what drove you to do what you're doing now, tell us about what you've got going on now. I know you've written several books and you're a busy guy. Well, I, you know, I just finished the fourth book, but um, more importantly is what's going on presently with the police culture. We've been thrown into a, a vortex of uh, problems right now. And in with, with the books, they're called Operation Longevity, and they're all about health, wellness, and resiliency for police officers, which was a big push with law enforcement around the country over the last year and a half. Uh, Unfortunately, with what's going on in many of our cities with the counterculture of police, uh, it's become a a major problem and law enforcement is really in the crosshairs of politicians and um, the population in general. So what I did with uh, along with Operation Longevity and the books uh, on the website, we created a page called uh, We Stand Behind the Thin Blue Line. And part of that was out of observation on my part and also frustration that nobody is speaking out on behalf of law enforcement today. And so we created this page, and uh, it's a wonderful logo. And the purpose of it is is, uh, not only to get the awareness out there to support the police, but also, um, we will look at the, the suicide, which was pretty high last year. It was 228 of uh, officers and federal agents that took their lives. But w- what we will do is use money that we are um, have collected vis-a-vis donations and use it towards helping the families of law enforcement professionals that have taken their lives. In addition, uh, any officers that 
get ill, such as with the COVID-19, where their families are falling on hard times financially, will be able to help uh, them as well. So that that's really what I'm doing right now. You know, with the books, the, the hope is to get them into the police academies to train the officers from when they first start their career uh, to live a more healthy and sustainable life, not only on the job, but well into retirement. And that's what I... My hope is, but now's really not the right time because there's so much uncertainty right. in terms of law enforcement. So, Before I forget, before I continue on, where can people get more information about all these things you talked about? The website is operationlongevity.org. Operationlongevity.org. Are you also right. on social media as well? Uh, with uh, Operation Longevity LinkedIn page. Awesome. All right, so check it out, folks. By the way, there's so much going on, and I, I look at the news with like one eye closed, like what's going to happen next, and, and we'll right. talk about that in a moment, but I want to backtrack. You know, I'm now in my early 60s. I've been retired since I was 33, retired from police work, that is. I, I still have to work. There's never enough to live off of, and my career was ended before I was ready, but I remember being in the academy. And they said, in the Baltimore Police Academy, the average life expectancy for Baltimore police and retired after 20 years or 25 years was 52. That's how long these men and women were living, or I should say, how early they were dying. Now I believe that number is probably up in around 58, somewhere in that area. So still much younger than the general population. Right. That, that's very, very true. The good thing is that the younger people coming into the profession today are taking better care of themselves. They're uh, exercising more, they're eating more. One of the things to teach them, at least what I do in the academy, I teach them about the impact of stress, uh, both on uh, the mind as well as the body. And I introduced in the academy, when I taught down at the Federal Law Enforcement Tra- uh, Training Center for ATF, as well as the Port Authority Police Academies, I introduced meditation before it was even talked about and it was sort of a risk on my part, but I knew that the correlation between meditation and yoga, any of those uh, uh, Eastern traditions, introducing that will help with the officer in reducing the stress, uh, both on the mind and on the body. I'll so, be honest with you. I found meditation to be a priceless tool that I use daily. And when people say that, Look, I'm not doing yoga and ballet and those sort of things. I don't. I can't sit cross-legged because I'm just. I'm just not limber like that. But it's for me. It's about clearing the mind, and and that's what I try to do. And I found that it's something. The more of it I do, the better I make it through the day. And anybody, whether you're in law enforcement, you're retired, uh, no matter what your career is. We all get bombarded with all this nonstop noise and stress, and just taking a few moments out of every day. And practicing on clearing your mind is invaluable, and I challenge everyone to try it. Yeah, I live down on the Jersey Coast, a place called Long Beach Island. I'm on the mainland, but I go out to the bay every morning, and I keep a gratitude journal, and I meditate for five to ten minutes. And that's how I start my day, and when I don't do that, it really affects me in an adverse way. Uh, I, I I just need to start my day that way, and I'm an early riser, so it's not only beautiful to go out there on the bay and see the sun coming up over the ocean, but also it just helps me settle myself down and uh, reflect on 
where I am in my life and where I'm going on that particular day. And I always include in that is I say a little prayer, I say, I, I hope I make a difference in someone's life today. And uh, it helps me. It, it certainly helps me. And I found that these things, and I do this exact same thing, I don't have the luxury of the view. Uh, I, I do this, maybe it's a result of police work and all the traumas and all the nonstop violence that I went through. I found the need to have peace and quiet and serenity in my daily living circumstances to be utmost importance. And also, in my inner mind, so to speak, that's why I really rely on meditation. You talked about prayer. And these are things we're gonna talk more about, the reasons why you advocate for this. For police, for law enforcement, for family members, for everyone, it doesn't matter what their walk of life is, because and quite honestly, Peter, the, the volume seems to be ratcheted up quite a bit. We're going to take a short break. We are talking with Peter Colleen. Peter is a former law enforcement officer. He's also a police psychotherapist. He's an author. He's an educator. Man, this guy's got quite the track record and quite the story to talk about. If you've missed past episodes of the Law Enforcement Today radio show, never fear. You can listen to them online as a podcast. Just go to our website, letradioshow.com, where you'll find all the podcast episodes and much more. That's letradioshow.com. The place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. Don't go anywhere. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those suffering from substance abuse problems, the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformation Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. If you'd like to get more information about the Help for Our Heroes program, whether it be for substance abuse, PTSD, PTSD-related issues, just go to the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show Facebook page. On Facebook, that's a Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like. Send us a message. When you click send message, once you get through all the welcome information, just type in Help for Heroes. That's Help for Heroes in the messenger on the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show Facebook page. Back to our conversation with Peter Colleen. Peter is a former law enforcement officer. He's also a police psychotherapist. He is an author, written many books. He's an educator. And it's a pleasure having him on the show, Peter. Uh, thank you. I've been enjoying it thus far. So thank you. Thanks for having me, Bill. There was a time in my life where if someone said, hey, you got to go talk to a police psychotherapist, I'd be like, nope, not doing that one bit. 
you know, times change. And, and there became a point in my life where, as a result of all the violence, and I, I don't look at it in specifics, where I began to seek out help. And this is back in the late 80s, early 90s. And I call it like the dinosaur era compared to what we have available today. Did you find that to be the case when you were policing? Well, I started back in the 70s, uh, the mid-70s, and I was young. I just got out of college, and it was I was assigned out in New York, in Queens, um, and I don't know if you remember it or not, but there was a bombing at LaGuardia Airport, and it was with the Port Authority. Uh, I worked with them, and there was a bombing at uh, LaGuardia Airport, uh, and I, I don't know who really set the bomb off, but it blew out the front of the terminal building, killing 11 people and injuring 74 other individuals. And I was all but, what, 21, 22, and it didn't impact me at the time, but what I do remember very vividly is when they had me on post that uh, they had the caskets, uh, the pine boxes lined up, and all the water on the floor from the sprinkler system was all red from the victim's blood. And it didn't impact me, but then... But the fact that I remember it so vividly says that it stuck with me. And whether that created some post-traumatic stress for me as a, a young man uh, up until today, I, I, I don't know. But it, it certainly was a, a vivid memory for me. And, you know, back then, that, that was the first act of homeland terrorism, actually, in the United States. Back then, you didn't talk about getting counseling. Nobody, never, ever, ever would you go see somebody because you were afraid it would impact your job. And even up until recent times, uh, the stigma of officers uh, or federal agents going and asking for help was looked down upon. And it's only been within the last five years or so that we're encouraging people to get the help that they need. And fortunately, the executives for policing are coming around, they, they understand the need and the benefit of people getting the help that is really necessary for them to perform their jobs effectively. So that's what we're trying to educate people on doing, and, you know, it's the stigma, and if we can, a very good friend of mine who is, uh, he was the director of the Bureau of Justice Assistance, John Hadler, John, um, he came up with the slogan, uh, smash stigma, save lives, and the whole thing was that you know, the more we uh, get people get the help that they need, perhaps there'll be a reduction in the suicides in law enforcement. So uh, when I teach in the academies, I tell people, we not only want you healthy from the neck down, we want you healthy uh, from the neck up as well. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, uh, Jay. But, no, you're fine. I, was, I agree with you, absolutely. Because, well, first of all, there is the... The human compassion side. Uh, we don't want, I don't want to see, hear about anybody suffering. I had a guest on the show not that long ago. She was a police officer in Texas, developed PTSD, wound up drinking way too much, developed into chronic severe alcoholism, lost her job, lost her marriage, became homeless, lived on the streets, lived in shelters for many years, struggled to get sober. Finally, it, she's in recovery and getting sober and doing very, very well. So I don't want to see anybody suffer. And I think that a lot of, or I say some of our police administrators don't want to see anybody suffer. I know our cops on the street, we don't want to see, and we, we interact with emotionally disturbed people and mentally disturbed people more than anybody else. I don't want to see anybody suffer. 
you know, it's funny that you mentioned compassion because when I uh, do, and even in the books and when I teach, I talk about that. I said, it's not a weakness to be compassionate. If anything, it will make you a better uh, law enforcement professional. Uh, and, you know, the root of the word compassion uh, means to uh, suffer with. And when you're out on the street and you're working with individuals who uh, are down and out, even such as this uh, female officer you just described, we need, in order to be effective, we need to be strong, but we also need to be compassionate. And uh, that's what I encourage officers to do with, uh, with the, when they do their work. And again, it's not... It's not only effective for people out on the street, but it's also effective for the individual who is showing that compassion. One of the other aspects of this is a very practical aspect, in my opinion. I've interviewed many people on this show and talk about what it costs to recruit new law enforcement officers. I've had people say it costs them $63,000 per per recruit they finally get that sticks with the job and then keeping them. And so what you want is you, you don't want this person burning out in three, four, five years and then leaving the job or becoming ineffective. From a citizen standpoint, when I call 911 for emergency, the first people that usually be there are law enforcement. I don't want someone who's struggling to be there. I want them to be as best physical mental condition as possible. And the last aspect of this is you know, there was came a point in my career where after all this nonstop stress and all the things that we'll talk about further began to impact me negatively, I wound up saying things and reacting in ways that I normally wouldn't. And those sort of things, although mine weren't that bad for anybody listening, people complain. Well, this cop, he was rude. He 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 started yelling. He or she started screaming, blah, blah, blah. And next you know, you got lawsuits and settlements, and there's a very financial impact, a big impact on the cities and counties that, that where this occurs. Yeah, you know, you see that today. Uh, now they're under a microscope, the, uh, the police. And you look up in New York and what's going on. Well, Baltimore is also a, a hotbed as well. But uh, many of the cities are really struggling now with uh, the officers being able to do their policing appropriately. And when you go out there, uh, it's very hard to feel good about what you're doing when you're not getting the support of the community, you're not getting the support of the administration, and they're expecting you to still enforce the law. And for the officers to go out, what's happening now is uh, you're going to see a spike in post-traumatic stress and also suicide as a result of this because the uh, the officer just doesn't feel as though they can perform their job effectively and they're really handcuffed to do their their work and what they're trying to implement from a, an administrative point of view is is almost ridiculous and laughable about what they want the cops to do when arresting somebody it's almost setting them up to get hurt so it's it's really going to be a challenge as we move forward and I, I don't know where it's going to end up, but I know we're going to have, from a psychological perspective, we're going to have some uh, increased issues, and uh, you're going to see, and, and the new officers coming on, who who in their right mind would want to take the job today? On that you know, note, we're going to take a short break. We're talking with Peter Colleen. Peter is a former law enforcement officer, also a police psychotherapist, author, educator, and more. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for 
Law Enforcement Today radio show. When you get there, click like and follow. That's click, like, and follow Law Enforcement Today radio show on Facebook. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. In the podcasting world, there's a huge amount of interest in true crime stories, but very few tell the stories of the heroes that fight horrific crime, whether it be law enforcement officers or everyday citizens. So we decided to start a podcast called True Crime Fighters, where we tell their stories. Each episode is no more than 15 minutes long. Do a Google search for True Crime Fighters podcast, or be sure to check us out and like us on Facebook. Just search for True Crime Fighters. Back to our conversation with Peter Colleen, calling us from Jersey Shore area. He is a former law enforcement officer, a police psychotherapist, an author, an educator. He's got this great program. You get more details about him and what they do at operationlongevity.org. That's operationlongevity.org. For when the right, Peter, you brought up a great point. And this is one I get people ask me all the time. Look, I'm very proud of my service in the police department. I really am. And I don't regret one minute of it. There's, If I had a choice to do certain things differently, yeah, I would have. Uh, but that's a benefit. Uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say. But right. the, the, the question is, people ask me all the time, hey, would you recommend your son or daughter get in law enforcement? Would you recommend someone else? And the current climate and situation in the United States, I'd have to say no. I can't recommend it. You raise a very, very good point, and it's almost not embarrassing, but uh, frightening to to answer that question because here I am working in the profession, and uh, you, you know you have a history in it, and you would want to. It's a lot of family tradition in law enforcement, and today it would be very, very difficult to encourage people to go into the profession. It's like you're setting them up for failure, and it's it's very, very hard for that. What will happen now is because of the same situation that people don't want the job and the people that you're going to get uh, applying for the job, uh, most of the time they fail out, usually with the background investigations. And what you're going to see is, I I believe, that they're going to have to lower the standards because you're going to get people applying that have somewhat of a checkered history and you're going to have to draw from somewhere to fill the spots. Absolutely. And I just think that we're, it's just spiraling. And as I mentioned when I first started speaking about the vortex that we're in, you know, one thing is begetting the other, and we're going to see a uh, a decline. Do I think it's going to change and turn its way? What I think is going to happen is that we will see that without the cops and all this talk about defunding them and uh, bringing in the feds to to patrol with the cops, you're you're going to see people saying, you know what, we need the cops because it's becoming a lawless society. And I think that's what's going to happen and the, the tides will change. It may take a while before that happens, but people will recognize that, you know, we need the cops. When you're in a domestic violence situation, who are you gonna call? Right. Yeah, who are you going to call? Or you see somebody uh, in a serious car accident, who's going to uh, respond? It's going to be the cop. And, uh, you know, it's it's the lawmakers and the politicians that acquiesce to the and pander to the community, and they don't realize the damage that they're doing in, in society right now. 
And I'll so be honest with you, I, I think the people who live in, in the hardest hit portions of our, our cities, I'm talking about the high crime areas, are the ones who, who pay the price the most. And uh, we see more and more of those people becoming more and more vocal. I don't think they were ever silent. I think that they just weren't given publicity by the news media. But these people are saying, not only give us back the police, but give us more. Because, look, I can't live with people firing gunshots in my street all the time. Just can't do it. Right. And it's a handful of people that are creating this, uh, that are the agitators. Do there need to be some revisions and reforms in law enforcement? There should always be revisions and reforms because the culture and society changes as well. Yes. So we have to adapt and, and be effective uh, in order to be effective in what we're doing. But uh, this total reform, what seems to be happening on a daily basis, the community wants this. Okay, we'll give them this. The community wants this. Okay, so little by little, the professional rights of the law enforcement professional are being stripped away. And how can you feel good about going out to do your job that day when you don't know if you're going to come back uh, in handcuffs? Right. That, well, that's the thing. And people will say, if you do your job honorably with integrity and pride and professionalism, that would never happen. Well, in an ideal world, you'd never be put in a position where that would happen, but it does happen. And, it, yeah. and you can do it in the right way and and be above board and people not like it and you could wind up being arrested. One of the things that I say all the time now, and I, I wish I thought it was myself, but I didn't. I got it from someone else. And I, I told my nephew this who, who thought about going to policing. I told one of my daughters this who thought about going to policing. I've said it on the show many times. You know, you get a doctor, a general doctor, a uh, general physician, and you go for a yearly physical. You go to a dentist once a year and get your teeth checked and all that. If you're going to go in policing nowadays, you better have uh, uh, the card uh, on your wallet of a psychotherapist who's familiar with trauma and policing in particular uh, and, and make appointments once a year for a general mental health wellness. It's the same as going to the doctor. And I never, trust me, Peter, 10 years ago, I never would have said that. Yeah. Well, you know, and again, John, you make a very, very good point. Um, And we're talking about that in the health and wellness field uh, for law enforcement is to have an annual uh, checkup, uh, psychological checkup. And in essence, it would be extremely, extremely beneficial. The problem is getting the uh, union and management to come to terms with that it's a benefit and not if they go for something they're not penalized or there's no retribution from management side, you know, and union has to come on board. This is a good thing for their folks, their membership. And once we can get the two people at the table to agree to it, then you're going to be able to see that this is an effective tool in order to help the law enforcement professional. We could go Um, into huge conversation with that because the first thing I would say is, and I tell people, go seek help on your own. Don't make the department do it. Don't wait for them. Because mm-hmm. th- then you know it's the old thing of if I say the wrong thing, they're gonna they're gonna suspend me. I'm about people getting better and staying healthy. That's really what I'm, I'm about. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, the, the admin staff, the administrators, the the politicians, the elected leaders, and uh, unions. I, you know what? I don't agree with a lot of what they do, uh, but I think this is good advice for everybody. And when I say everybody, particularly our, our military. Our, yeah. our veterans, our other yeah. first responders, firefighters, EMTs, 
EMTs, those cats never get a break. They see something horrible almost every call out they're on. Dispatchers, corrections officers. Man, the people, if you have a job, just say you're a nurse in an emergency room, a trauma hospital, you're getting bombarded with stuff daily. Then throw in that it makes COVID-19. Man, people are going to start popping, and that really concerns me. You know, one of the things, and another excellent point that you raise, is the uh, the other first responders as well, and the uh, emergency room nurses. You know, the vicarious trauma that they experience. Yet, them, like everyone else, they don't want to admit that they've been impacted. And as soon as we can break that stigma and get people educated to say, "Listen, you're, you're only human. You're not impervious to feeling." a little depressed from this or but you need to talk about it and that's the way to address the trauma and if we can get people educated enough to say it's okay to get the help that you need even uh you know one of the other things that i talk about and i encourage is that if you need to take medication short term you need to take medication that's what the medications are there for and they're extremely effective medications to deal with the trauma and you won't have to be on them for life but it will help you deal with the depression and the anxiety. Get the help that you need. Treat the help like you would treat a broken arm or a heart condition or anything like that. Get the help that you need just because it's psychological and it's in the brain. The brain being one of the strongest, <laughs> the, the, the most powerful instruments in our body needs to be attended to. Absolutely. Care of. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today radio show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there. We're going to take a short break. We're talking Peter Colleen former law enforcement officer, police psychotherapist, author, educator, and much more. Although I get more details about him and their services, what they do at operationlongevity.org. This is Law Enforcement Day Show. Today's short break. We'll be right back. All too often, we find ourselves getting asked, where can I find other great podcasts? Do you have any suggestions? Because of this, we decided to create our own network of podcasts here on Law Enforcement Today. You can access top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and free app. Head to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and there you will find our network link where we will continue to add podcasts from first responders and more. Remember, that's letradioshow.com to find out more information about law enforcement today, our podcast network, and to download our free app, letradioshow.com. This is Law Enforcement Today Show. I'm John J. Wiley, retired Baltimore Police Sergeant, and we are talking with Peter Colleen. Peter is a police psychotherapist. He's a former law enforcement officer. He's written four books. Uh, he educates young police, older police, and, and by the way, does a lot to help everybody regardless of their walk of life. Peter, before we went to break, we, we started talking about the current climate. I don't recall, and I know they've occurred, I'm not one of these people who says this is the worst case scenario it's ever been because you started policing in the late 70s, but you said I started in 1980. I remember 
the 1960s. I remember the 1970s. I remember the 80s, especially in New York, going to visit family members. And how many police were killed? How many were blown up in bombings? How many were victimized because of politics or targeted because of politics? This isn't new. Maybe it's more in your face because we see more of it. But we overcame it before, and I think things will get better eventually. I'm just worried about what happens between now and then. Yeah, I, I don't know where it's going, John. I, I really don't. I, I think, and I, part of it is that we are so bombarded with the media uh, constantly that we're seeing it day in, day out, 24-7. And years ago, you would read about it in the newspaper or see it on the 6 o'clock news, whatever the case would be. Now we're seeing it constant, and the more horrific it is, the more the media likes to, to push it out there. So... Yes. Is it worse than it was years ago? I I don't know. I don't think so. I think what we're seeing now is the the tables turned where people aren't afraid of law enforcement any longer. They're uh, they're taking it like New York. Uh, You probably uh, witnessed that and saw that in the news. You know, uh, officers responding and getting buckets of water dumped on them or frozen water bottles thrown at them being spat upon and uh so when you have that you know how do you feel good about the job that you're doing how how do you do that so is the culture that more treacherous than it was back in the 60s and the 70s because i remember that i you know post uh, vietnam uh there was a lot of unrest in the in the towns and the cities around the country but i i think they had some respect for law enforcement today I don't think the respect is there. I, I really don't. And uh, what we need to start from from the perspective of the law enforcement professional, start looking at the community and saying, all right, what do we do? Somebody has to give and take here. You know, we, we just can't keep going this way. Otherwise, it's going to erode into uh, complete chaos, which yeah. we're almost there now anyway. But um, we're just seeing more of it. 24 7 that's all i you know i i think the cops are still doing good work i really do and i i think they're they still take their job seriously but but they're they're hesitant because they they don't want to get jammed up no and i i quite honestly don't blame them one bit yeah what yeah. two things people ask me all the time what can i do to show support for law enforcement i tell them look you can't go to do protests. You can't do all those things. A lot of people can't do marches. You're busy working, whatever it might be. One of the simplest things you do is when you see something on Facebook that you think is appropriate, you like, like on our Facebook page, uh, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show, share it on your page. It's very, very easy. And there's 2 billion plus people on Facebook uh, worldwide. So it's a great way to make a start. Secondly, I want to go back to uh, my police career. One of the sayings, one of the mindsets we had, we actually had two. One is we showed respect for everyone, no matter what, mm-hmm. until they change the tone of the conversation. You put your hands on me, you do something else, you threaten me, it's a totally different situation. The other one was, I'd rather be tried by 12 than carried by six. And I know that's a mindset from a mental health perspective that's not the healthiest, but that's how we lived and that's how we worked. And I can't help but think, man, these men and women on the job now, are they still carrying that mindset even more extreme? Or is it? are they just saying, that's it, I'm, I'm taking the hands off, I'm not doing anything? I think it's the latter of what you just said. It's the, 
the hands off, uh, at least up in this area in New York and New Jersey, that it's a hands off. Now, with Port Authority, you know, we uh, we have 13 facilities in the New York, New Jersey area and trade centers being one of our facilities. And, you know, we're uh, we've been quiet because travel is down and we don't have the same uh, the same issues and the problems similar but not the same as perhaps nypd going into a uh, 30-story uh, uh, apartment building not knowing what you're walking into or if you're going to come out alive so it, it's i i think they don't think about you know the six and 12 uh, issue being tried by 12 carried by six I don't think they think about that. I think what they're concerned about is if I get jammed up, or is my department going to support me? Is uh, is the media going to treat it fairly? Well, um, I'd rather not answer that question, but you, you sort of you probably know how I would answer. That. I, I would answer and say no. They're not going to support you because right. they're they're part of the executive branch of the government, which is run by the mayor, and they're very political, and they're going to exercise plausible deniability so that's why so many of these people are, are blaming the, the cops they just yes. it, it yep. works and your department's not going to back you up the, the media's not going to back you up and yeah. if you're lucky the unions will back you up but guess what they're also the target now for, uh, of all these newspapers yep. and media and anti-police politicians it's the union's fault right so that you, you run into that problem as well and uh you know, the New York, there were 35,000 cops and uh, the PBA, they have their hands full. They, they really do. So it, it's a very, very challenging time for law enforcement. It, it really is. So uh, the best advice I can give people is if you do need help, get the help that you need. And uh, because of confidentiality, nobody needs to know if you go outside the department. And you probably should. You know, you, you don't want to open Pandora's box. Get the help that you need. The important part of that is, John, is that if you speak to somebody, speak to somebody, if you can find them, that's law enforcement competent. Right. And the person understands the culture. Otherwise, you're going to be speaking, and they won't know. They'll get caught up in your stories. You need somebody who's law enforcement competent, and we're working on that today. We're trying to change that and get people on board who are competent and understand the culture. The funny thing is, man, we could tell stories upon stories upon stories about that one aspect. One of the things I tell people all the time, and again, this doesn't mean or isn't specific about someone in law enforcement or someone's retired. I have a big concern about retirees because a lot of them, what they'll do is they'll leave the job and they'll drink themselves to death and, and they, they suffer and struggle in silence and they feel like there's no way to help them. But we could have a conversation about that uh, on another show. But everybody needs to take care of themselves. And if you develop diabetes and you need insulin, look, no one's going to look down on you because you have to take insulin shots. However, if you have a depression or PTSD or something else and you're put on some sort of antidepressant, so many people carry around a stigma, there's something wrong with me. I tell people, listen, you're here to have a happy life. If that's what it takes... By all means, do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you know, that's absolutely correct. And when I deal with officers, um, and I work for all the unions, so there is somewhat of an implicit trust uh, in me, and I've been with the unions now 29 years. So when I deal with officers, and I do know I worked on management side for four years in the medical department, I know 
their system as well. So if I had to say to the officer, look, I think you would benefit by being on short-term medication, and this would probably be the medication you would be given, and there are very few side effects, and it will relieve some of the symptoms. So, you know, it's how I present it to them, and that makes it more palatable for them to even think about taking medication because that that term that's even one step further oh yeah uh, when you get speaking to a mental health professional now you're going on medication and i tell them i said you would not believe how many officers are on medication you know uh, post 9 11 i mean everybody under the sun was on medication because of the trauma and the anxiety and, and so, that, that goes back to we shouldn't we shouldn't have a stigma about it, but we do. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time. Very quickly, we got like 10 seconds left. Give people your website address. OperationLongevity.org. OperationLongevity.org. We will have you back on the show again in the future. Peter, thanks so much for being Wonderful. a guest on Law Enforcement Day Show. Very much appreciated. You too. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Of all the radio stations in the United States, there's only one show like ours, the Law Enforcement Today radio show. And on Facebook, there's only one official page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. That's Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. When you get there, click like and follow. If you've missed past episodes of the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show, never fear. You can listen to them online as a podcast. Just go to our website, letradioshow.com, where you'll find all the podcast episodes and much more. That's letradioshow.com. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. Another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.